The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. I'm not going to lie. I got on the air and I wanted to say Auburn Opelika this morning because I've now done that three days in a row and that's sort of the routine I'm getting into uh, getting in here at uh, 5.30 in the morning to do the morning talk show on News Talk WANI 98.7, our sister station. Uh, I've been doing that this week from 6 to 9 and uh, I've been getting used to saying Auburn Opelika this morning, but it's the afternoon. We're on ESPN 106.7. This is on the line and look, I won't lie to you. It's it's a lot right now to get up at 5 a.m. because I'm not used to that at all. But I'm filling in for Ben Taylor, who is out sick, and uh, he may be out another couple of days. We're going to find out and see. But either way, on the line, underway here on ESPN 106.7. Carter, happy Wednesday, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, interesting day today as we talk about what's going on with Auburn because oh, I feel yeah. like we've learned a lot here in the last 24 hours and um, I don't know how it's going to play out for the for this Saturday and I don't know how it's going to play out for the rest of the year. Right well we have got some news that broke yesterday afternoon about Auburn. There's a couple of things we need to address with Auburn football today but the first one is the news that broke yesterday around five o'clock ish was that TJ Finley is officially out against Missouri on Saturday. Auburn's supposed QB1. He's been QB1 for the first three games. He is out. Uh, He was seen wearing a sling, and we knew he got banged up in the Penn State game, but he is officially ruled out against Missouri. And so now there is, I guess you could call it another quarterback battle for the game against Missouri because I guess it's Robbie Ashford, but that hasn't been confirmed. And there's I some just, stuff floating around about Calzada. And I, I just, what is happening with Auburn, man? I don't know. This is, and, and <laughs> that, the more. That's it. That's the answer. I don't the, know. And the more that Harson gets in front of a mic, the more he's doing, doing the teleconference, the SEC head coach teleconference today. The like more non-committal, the more like almost cagey he is about it, and he doesn't want to give any answers, and it's just like it's dumb. And with with what you saw, Justin Hokinson report that Zach Calzada has expressed interest potentially in seeking a medical red shirt. Well, what do you do for the rest of the year if T.J. Finley's out? And Zach Calzada's out. You know my answer. Then you're then you're running with with, with Robbie Ashford, mm. and and I know <laughs> I know what you want. You want Holden Gurner back there, but he's a true freshman, and like I just don't want to. I don't want to put a kid out there in an unfair situation and potentially 
potentially affect his confidence, affect his oh, growth. I know. I know. Well, look, That's what I'm worried about. There's a couple situations. We're going to talk about it. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Call in. Be a part of the show. Be on the line. We'd love to hear from you and what you have to say uh, about TJ Finley, who is now out against Missouri. Who should start against Missouri for Auburn at quarterback? Uh, what do they need to do? What does Auburn have to do to win on Saturday? Because the, the, uh, the possibility of Auburn losing this football game has just gotten even bigger I think and it just keeps on growing as we get closer to this game and the confidence in Auburn continues to decline so we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 and and again, TJ Finley has been ruled out against Missouri he will not be playing and so now it comes down to Robbie Ashford, Zach Calzada, or Holden Garner. Those are the three guys in the room. And yeah. and so you would think that it would be Robbie Ashford because he's the only other guy to see the field at the quarterback position. So you would think it would be Robbie Ashford to be the starting quarterback on Saturday against Missouri. And the problem with that in my mind is we haven't seen him throw the football consistently enough or effectively to to be a threat as a quarterback. Now, we've talked about the possibility of of Robbie Ashford being put in a sort of a triple option type of offense where he doesn't have to throw the football all that much, where you can kind of confuse the defense a little bit. Maybe that's where they go with this thing. I don't know. Maybe there is a legitimate uh, quote-unquote battle this week and they decide on on Thursday or Friday who's going to be the starting quarterback for Saturday. Maybe Zach Calzada finally gets his shot and proves to everybody and proves to the coaches that he does know the offense and he is good and he did come here for a reason. Or maybe they start the true freshman, Holden Garner, and they say, you know what? We don't care about your red shirt anymore. We're trying to win football games and we're going to go with the true freshman because he can throw it better than everybody else. Those are really your options you got right now yeah i i just think it's dumb that when when asked about the quarterbacks when asked about tj and his health the response today on on the teleconference was all those guys are out there at practice that's it that's and that's essentially all the Andes. who's going to start at quarterback we'll see and like i just think all of this is just it's dumb at this point in my opinion i I just was he lying? He probably was out there at practice. He just didn't give a definite answer, which is yeah, what we it's, want. It's, but it's like, okay, like is TJ Finley is he healthy enough to practice? Well, you don't get that. You don't get any clarity there. He may, is, at is, the time also, he may not have known. He probably did, but he may not have known at the time. On the in the teleconference today? Oh knew. no, I thought you were ta- I thought you were talking about Monday. I thought no, you were talking about I mean, Monday. T- t- today he knows. He's just not not giving any clarity which okay fine that's that's his choice I just think that with the word about Zach Calzada expressing interest in taking a medical red shirt there has to be something there health-wise right because you can't take a medical red shirt if you're healthy and that goes back to that question on Monday to end the press conference where he's asked if Zach Calzada is is healthy and Brian Harson is passive aggressive right back to uh i forget who who the reporter was but it was do you know something i don't like hey man like there's there's a better way to handle that right and and i mean i just the more we learn about the uncertainty at quarterback the more i think all of the the antics of this week are stupid and unnecessary well it just seems that this whole situation again has just become 
so confusing yet again where we went through we went through an off season in a summer where we had a definite thought uh, at who was going to be the quarterback we thought it was going to be Zach Calzada and then you get into fall camp and we it turns out no there's an actual quarterback battle and you're like okay so then who's it going to be and we were confused and didn't know who it was going to be for the first three weeks or so then they finally named TJ Finley and we said okay now that TJ Finley's the starting quarterback, let's see what he's got. Let's see what he can do. But then, three weeks in, before we knew he was ruled out for injury, we get three weeks into the season, you lose really, really bad to Penn State, and then the question again becomes, well, is it now, is TJ Finley the answer at quarterback? And now that he's hurt, now we're back to square one on, well, who's QB1? You're not even square one. You're square like negative two because <laughs> literally because you literally don't have the bodies there anymore. If if Calzada's done for the year because of a red shirt, if Finley's out for an extended amount of time with an injury, then it's Robbie Ashford, Holden Gurner, and that's it. But you know Sawyer what? Sawyer Pate, Trey Lindsay next. But Robbie Ashford is what a lot of Auburn fans wanted. We heard a lot of people call into this program and say online that they wanted Robbie Ashford at the beginning because of the excitement he brought to the offense. I I think that there is some truth to that. I think with the offensive line you have right now, with the way that it looks like they have digressed uh, or de- they have gotten worse or re- re- regressed, not digressed, Um the way that they have gotten worse, I think you need to copy what LSU is doing. And what LSU is doing, LSU knows its offensive line is awful. And they know they can't put Nussmeyer back there, which is why I'm hesitant to put a guy like Holden Gurner back there. And I'm fine with having Robbie Ashford back there because I know he can't escape with his athleticism. I know he's not going to be a statue back there in the pocket. He's not going to just get teed off on by good defensive lines. He's at least going to make them have to work for it. So maybe there is a path to do a little bit of what LSU is doing with Robbie Ashford and build an offense that way. Make it, I mean, it can be, I don't care if it's one read and go. I don't care if it's one or two reads and go. It's just, just use, you need to adjust to the talent level and the skill level and the way that they are playing on the offensive line. And I think the way to do that is Robbie Ashford right now. Which is something that we alluded to yesterday was, with the situation of a lot of the position groups, offensive line being one of those main ones, you do have to adjust instead of just laying down and saying, well, there's nothing we can do. We may as well just just lay down and die and give up because our offensive line can't hold their own. No, you got to adjust a little bit and figure out a game plan to help them out, but to help out your quarterback and help out your other offensive players. And, and we said it to end the show yesterday – Step one is to run the football and give it to Tank Bigsby, who's your best player on the football team. Give it to him and then give it to Jarquez Hunter. And when those guys get tired, bring in Damari Alston. And by that point, hey, Tank feels good after a few plays. Let's bring him back in. That needs to be step number one is run the football with those three guys. But if Robbie Ashford is who you go with that quarterback, yes, you can do stuff like that. But at the end of the day, He's still the quarterback. And what does the quarterback do? They throw the football. And Robbie Ashford has not proven to us that he can throw the football effectively, consistently, without turning it over or actually hit receivers for more than one deep ball. So 
He's got to get better at that. Now, would he get better at that with more consistent playing time instead of one or two plays and then getting yanked? Maybe. And maybe this Saturday is where that's going to be if he does get the start against Missouri because you're not going to see a two-quarterback system on Saturday, I don't think. I think whoever starts is going to be your guy unless it's just horrible. But again, we thought that too with TJ and we saw a two-quarterback system. So what do we know? Yeah, I think that in my mind, I now think that... uh... And I know the current staff can't afford for that, but I I am in a let's see what you have for the future mode, which is me also acknowledging that Brian Harson is not going to be the head coach at Auburn in 2023. I highly doubt that. I don't see a path back. And I think Saturday could be your final straw, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. But... I if because I don't think I made the statement yesterday about TJ Finley with the way that he was acting on social media because you can't do that and be a leader of in the locker room. I don't think TJ Finley is going to be on the roster next year. I don't think Zach Calzada is going to be on the roster next year. The two guys who I think will be on the roster next year are Robbie Ashford and Holden Gurner, and I want to see what those guys look like. And so for me. I want to see those guys in the game. I want to I want to get them all the reps and I want to develop them for the future. But the problem is the staff can't afford to build for the future because they don't have a future right now. Well, in my opinion, I'm not looking to build for the future because we're only 3 games and that's important, but we're only 3 games into the season. You can't you can't punt on this already. I know it looks bad and I know there is a a very very slim path for Auburn to be successful this year, but you can't punt in three games into the season and say, well, uh, again, this is the same situation. You can't just say, well, we lost to Penn State. We got embarrassed. We may as well just give it up because we got to play hard teams. You, you can't do that. I know it's hard, and I know it doesn't look pretty, and I know that the path is pretty, pretty narrow for Auburn to have a good season this year, but you've got to find a way to put the guys on the field on Saturday and in the next few games I'm just to give you, you wins I'm just this you, year, not I'm, next year. I'm just telling you where I'm at. I know the coaching staff's not there, but after Saturday, if this goes poorly and you are making a head coaching change, then you're in that boat. Oh, well, yeah, if you get boat. to that point, if but, you fire but, but, Harson, then yeah, absolutely. There's uh, At that point, you're trying to scrounge what you can, and then, yeah, you're building for the future. But as of right now, Saturday against Missouri is there, not there, the time to there's, say... There's not, there's not a path back from Saturday. There's not. Because... You aren't better than LSU. You aren't better than Georgia. You aren't better than the Mississippi schools. You aren't better than Arkansas. And you aren't better than Texas A&M or Alabama. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I'm saying three games in, you can't just say screw the 2022 season. I'm 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 aware. But what I'm just saying is like I like in my mind, I have I have moved on to the future because I don't this. You're seeing the cracks in the foundation right now. You're seeing that it's starting. The seams are starting to come apart a little bit. And I don't see that turning around. There's nothing that I saw Saturday that tells me it's going to get better going forward. I agree. And I again, I don't think it will get better. But if you're talking about the mindset of, of coaches, players, and even the fans right now, you can, you can look at it and say it, it doesn't look good. And the chances of it happening and t- getting turned around, yes, are very, very slim. But uh, against Missouri and 
against Missouri is not the time to plan for the future. Now, if you lose to Missouri and it goes really bad and, and in two games they fire Harson by the bye week, and then, yeah, or if they even fire him after the Missouri game, then, yeah, maybe you start thinking no, about that a little bit. But I, I think for right now, for Saturday, you've got to put the best players on the field because you have got to win on Saturday. Which right now, that's Robbie Ashford because the other two guys aren't healthy, apparently. That's what it seems like. We'll talk about this more and head to the phone lines. When we come back, we're off and running on this Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. We have a whole lot more coming up. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Hey, hey I was just going to put my two cents worth in, you know, whatever it's worth on, on the coaching thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, y'all be talking about uh, how Parsons thrown the kids under the bus. Uh, did y'all see the other day? It was in the Tom Green article where at the end he was talking about his offensive line not being settled and others having settled line. He's, and he said at the very end of it, he said, but they've got players that want to play. I didn't. Did I mean, I, I listened to the presser. Um, I I may have missed that line. I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go look for it for sure. But if yeah, if, if he said that, you can't say that. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Now we all know uh, now Tom Green. I know you know that is a mm-hmm. journalist with L.com. If you look in Sunday's paper, it's, it's on a quote direct quote of Harson and toward the end of his article about offensive line problems. But you know, we all. None of us should have expected, you know, that uh, of eighteen, you know, that T.J. Finley or whatever might do something stupid on social media. Or, but to have a coach that just continually seems to put his kids down and, and take and really he, he goes through everything about what's wrong with him, and he says, "Well, of course, I could do a little better job coaching too." But wow. Uh, uh, yeah, it, Ed's but, right. Please, he please. he said that word for word. That's God, yeah. Wow. Th- th- that's that's not good, man. <laughs> but but the, the other thing I was going to just say is, uh, you look at what Lincoln Riley did last year. It, it, as far as waiting till the end of the year, I see no. You know, I, I agree with y'all. You can wait until after this weekend to see what happens. But I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it to me, if you're gonna do it, and we, I think we knew last year we wanted to do it, or Auburn knew that they wanted to do it. But you've got a, a new coach. You've got to get him before somebody else gets him. He's got to be able to get the good assistance before somebody else gets him. Mm-hmm. You've got to hit the transfer portal hard next year for Auburn. You know, so the the more leap, the more lead time that you give him to me just makes sense in, in this instant and it, it that's not just saying that every time it should be that way if, if he was a coach leaving after 10 years of course he, 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 you know on his own or whatever of course you'd give him his the, the, mm-hmm. you know regardless of, of how the year was going but this is a lot different and, and uh, but yeah anyway guys I, I was just uh, putting that 
up there to you in War Eagle. Yeah, we appreciate Eagle. we appreciate the call, Ed. Look, appreciate it. Talking about the, um, yeah, talking about if you know if Saturday goes wrong and Auburn loses, or let's say you get to the bye week and Auburn has lost a couple of games, whatever it may be. There's a lot of people, and I think Carter, I think you're in this. I think you're sort of in this boat where getting rid of Harson quicker or sooner rather than later would be beneficial for Auburn to get them in the coaching market faster um my my opinion on that is if Auburn I think Auburn's probably already secretly making some calls they're at least checking on some people because they see where this is going not that it's there yet but it's pretty darn close right we uh, again I'm not jumping on it just yet but you see where this is heading right if if he if he goes to the bye week at four and three I think it happens I could see it and I could definitely see that And, And and four four and three or worse because that that keeps in mind that you can you can lose to LSU and go into the bye week three and four, mm-hmm. um, but I think that that would be the the trend because you're coming out of that it's a gauntlet all the way to the end, and I think four and three in the bye week would be would be enough to move on. And I could see where at that time Auburn would just they would finally just go ahead and say you know this experiment was a disaster from the start tried you can say whether they gave him a fair shake or not I don't think they did but at this point at the, or at that point if you get to that I think you just cut your losses you you probably will fire him I think is what Auburn would do and that gives Auburn a chance to get their name out there and say look this job is open and there's now then you go out and you start looking for some guys so I would I like when you say he didn't get a fair shake that's fine but nothing that Auburn did affected the fact that he lost his last five last year. Oh, I agree. Nothing, and then as much as what happened in February affected recruiting, the roster's still good enough to compete against Penn State. Should and be. you didn't. Yeah. And right now you're eight and eight in your tenure at Auburn and you've lost your last last six against teams with a pulse, really. Right. That's I mean, that's a tough scene. That's that's doesn't get it done at a place like Auburn. And I but, you know, the end of last year was tough too with I mean Auburn was rolling, Auburn was doing okay, and then Bo Nix goes out and then it all just goes down. I agree. Even with TJ Finley, there's a couple of those games last year. You should you should still win. I think everybody can agree. Uh, we got a few more minutes. Let's try to get to the phone lines before the break. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Shane, you're on the line. You got about a minute, man. What you got? All right. Uh, I just want to say, Carter, I don't really agree with you much, but I'm in total agreement with you today. Um, I, I, I'm already checked. I'm checked out after seeing uh, our our effort and coaching from this Penn State game. I uh, I, I watched the first series and knew what how it was going to turn out, and uh, just from from seeing the past, and I can see the future. Uh, whether you want to give Brian Harsett the benefit of that or not, we all know that he's going after this season. So why why are we waiting? And and just it's just it go ahead and get the 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 best quality person that you can get. I mean, why can't we afford to get like Urban Meyer? I don't see anybody less than that turning this thing around because no one else in the country it seems would have a backbone to stand up for the people that be in Auburn that's gonna actually turn this thing around. And, and I may be wrong, but I don't. I don't know of another coach. Maybe y'all can name a couple that actually has a backbone that that could actually stand up to these people and say, "Hey, this, this is all mine," or or, or get lost uh, and actually follow through, follow through with it and and, and be successful. Shane, I don't see another Shane, name. I I agree with Worry. you there. When when you talk about 
a guy like Urban Meyer, I think the resume is strong enough to have that. Because if, if you want to talk about kind of having somebody who can deal with the external factors at Auburn, the the boosters that want to be around the program, the the athletic director, all, all of that stuff, you need somebody who can have that resume and that that ability to to do what Saban did at Alabama because when when the boosters came to Saban at Alabama he told them all to be quiet and he didn't care what they wanted from him he needed them to give him what he needed to win and that's why I think I think somebody like an Meyer could do that just because he's won a national championship at two different schools but yes I I agree that I it's also the fact with what's going on with Brian Harson, the way he has handled himself after the game Saturday has not impressed me. And it tells me that he's extremely frustrated. He is feeling the pressure. And if anything, it feels a little bit like reality is setting in and it's trying to trying to spin it in a way where he can salvage it when he's looking for his next job. In my mind, just the way that I'm reading his quotes, where I've listened to the press conference. I mean, I I don't think I don't think he thinks he's going to be the coach by the end of the year. I don't think anybody expects him to be the coach by the end of the year. I mean, we we know he looked for jobs elsewhere last year. We'll see. We're going to find out. We have a lot more to talk about that, but we're going to get Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 on the phone like we do every Wednesday, talking some Georgia football when we come back. Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes are in this first hour here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Welcoming in Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, as we always do on Wednesday afternoons. Jordan, it's good to hear from you again, my friend. Uh, the vibes, as I told our, our friend in Tuscaloosa on Monday, I'm going to tell you the same thing. I think the vibes are a little bit better in Athens than they are in Auburn right now. Just a little bit, and uh, yeah, not uh, not quite as much to write about, and Georgia fans are definitely excited on that front as far as uh, what's going on here now. Yeah, you're probably a little less busy in Athens than you were when you were in Auburn, huh? Just a little bit. Not a, <laughs> not a lot of uh, coaching lists or anything like that in the works right now. Right. Well, we're talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, and let's get into it a little bit. The Georgia Bulldogs, the number one team in the country, uh, they they had a one of the bigger games of the weekend last week. It was a Georgia-South Carolina matchup. The Dogs go on the road for the first time this season, and they do what they do, and they take care of business 48-7. to what did you see for Georgia against South Carolina on Saturday? You know, it was a situation where pretty much everything went Georgia's way. You know, I thought they got after Spencer Rattler early and, and did a good job, again, going back to the Oregon game, uh, of just taking advantage of their possessions, being able to score, getting the opponent in a situation where they're having to come back. And it really felt like, you know, that game turned on late in the first quarter when freshman Malachi Starks got an interception. 
very much like he did in the Oregon game. Not quite as uh, as a big of a highlight. Uh, Spencer Rattler kind of threw it right at Malachi Starks, but uh, just another situation where it was just a good game all around for Georgia. You know, build a big lead. I think by the time Brock Bowers had his third touchdown in the third quarter, it's thirty-eight um, nothing. A good sign from a team that you know I thought everybody. Uh, is obviously high on with them being the number one team in the nation. Um, but they took care of business in what would have been a really loud environment had that game been close. Uh, but Georgia jumped on South Carolina early and, and really, uh, you know, even before halftime, it was very clear that South Carolina wasn't going to be able to keep up. So, Jordan, uh, I'm going to ask you a question here. Who is the best player in college football and why is it Brock Bowers? I think he's got a case, and I mean, Brock has done such a good job, and you know, he was relatively quiet in those first two games, albeit, you know, second one against Stanford, he, you know, we weren't expecting him to, to do a ton because they were able to jump on Stanford and take care of that one early, but, you know, it was a reminder to everybody that, hey, as many different options as Georgia has this year, Brock is probably the most explosive and maybe the most elusive. I mean, the way he scored those three touchdowns really struck me. That's just how impressive Brock Bowers is. I mean, this first one, he gets the ball on a reverse. Uh, gets a pretty uh, nifty uh, block by Stetson Bennett to kind of open the door, but I still think uh, he probably would have scored without it. Uh, second touchdown, they, they just throw a fade to the left side of the end zone, and, and Brock goes out, and, and the guy covering him has got pretty good coverage, but Brock just goes up, high points the ball, and, and scores. And then the third one, which was by far his most impressive touchdown, uh, catches it across the middle, uh, walks through one tackle, and then jukes the other guy and, and is going on a 78-yard score. So uh, Brock is going to be uh, you know, a guy that makes a ton of plays for this offense. And, and again, it's a situation where Georgia has several different guys that can count on to make plays, but uh, I think I'd be hard-pressed to say there's one better and more effective than Brock Bowers right now. Well, Jordan, I asked you this question when Georgia beat Oregon in the first week, and it was a blowout win. And so I'm going to ask you this question again. Which side of the football are you more impressed with with Georgia in this game, the offense that put up 48 points or the defense that only gave up seven, but it wasn't until the fourth quarter? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the defense. And we talked about this uh, on our podcast earlier this week. You know, we uh, someone had asked us a question you know, are we surprised by what we're seeing as far as how successful both sides of the ball are? And to me, I'm much more surprised with the defense just because there's really, through three games, not been uh, much drop-off at all compared to, you know, the amount of talent they lost, you know, losing eight starters from last year. You know, I thought this offense could be really productive. I thought Stetson Bennett could take a step forward with a whole offseason as the QB and being able to, you know, kind of sharpen those relationships with his teammates and, and getting – an even greater understanding of the offense with Todd Munkin. But this defense just looks outstanding. I mean, through three games, I think it has a solid argument for the top defense in the nation. And think about the fact this is a defense that lost guys like Jordan. I mean, lost, you know, five defenders that were all picked in the first round back in April. Uh, you know, I think Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp, both uh, the co-defensive coordinators, they deserve a ton of credit. And a lot of credit to these players who have stepped up, playing much bigger roles than they did a t- this time a year ago. Um, they've made a very good case to be the best defense uh, in the nation and uh, have been very productive in the three games they played. So now that we've seen Georgia play another Power 5 opponent, what have you seen out of that running backs room? Because we're, we're so used to watching 
Georgia just it's almost like they are a a a production line just producing NFL backs what have you seen out of that group so far this this season you know it's been a situation where they've kind of used those guys more in the passing game and I think that honestly that's not a bad thing and it's something Kirby Smart was asked about I think that was last week uh, before the South Carolina game you know he said it's not always as simple as you look at the running game as just you know, quarterback handing the ball to the running back. I mean, they look at a lot of those throws out to the perimeter, you know, getting the guys, the running backs involved that way. That's sort of an extension of the run game, and I think that sort of shows you how this offense has evolved. I mean, it's not just simple, you know, hand the ball between the tackles and let a guy like Nick Chubb or Sonny Michelle go make a play. Uh, they know that they've got guys that are able to catch the ball in the backfield. I mean, Kenny McIntosh is one of the best pass catchers on this team regardless of position. Um, you know, they haven't put up wow numbers on the ground. I mean, they've been pretty good. We saw some good runs uh, on Saturday, but really so far it's been more about these running backs being able to catch the ball. And uh, Georgia's taking advantage, let those guys make plays, and I expect to see similar results as we go forward. We're speaking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jordan, uh, the Bulldogs come home and they have Kent State on Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, what are you looking for in this type of game where we expect Georgia to win big yet again? You know, I mean, I think it's another situation of seeing some of the younger guys get reps. I mean, we've seen uh, some guys that have flashed so far. I mean, guys like Oscar Delph at tied in and Bear Alexander, who is a really highly regarded defensive lineman that they signed. I think that's an opportunity for some of those guys to get more reps. Even two back, a guy I wrote about, a story will be coming out tomorrow, uh, the backup quarterback who, you know, as it stands, looks like uh, this time next year will be the starting quarterback, will obviously be part of that uh, fight to replace Stetson once he moves on. Uh, but uh, it'll be a chance for Carson Beck to get out there. And if Georgia takes advantage of the situation and jumps on Kent State early, uh, it's a big uh, learning opportunity for a lot of younger guys. And excited to see who they're able to get on the field and uh, what roles those guys kind of show and see if even looking back or, you know, looking forward a few weeks from now into the season, if this is a point where some of these younger guys prove to these coaches that they're up for the challenge. Jordan, when you look around the SEC East, you've had a couple teams already kind of emerge besides Georgia in Kentucky and Tennessee. Tennessee obviously has that big matchup this weekend with Florida. What have you seen from those teams and are, are they legitimate threats to, to Georgia's crown in the SEC East? I still don't think so. I mean, I think that even now there are uh, clear differences as far as the tier that Georgia's at and then the second tier, which I think right now is probably Tennessee and Kentucky. I think both those teams have looked really good, but still at the point with just how Georgia has played on both sides of the ball, specifically not wasting possessions on offense, continuing to, to force turnovers. Uh, this is a team uh, that uh, has created a bunch of turnovers, and the offense has not turned the ball over once through three games. So um, I don't think either one of those teams, uh, Tennessee or Kentucky, is quite up for the challenge with how Georgia is playing right now. But I say that and also want to say that those games – are not going to be played till November. So, you know, you need yeah. Georgia to stay healthy when it comes to playing those types of teams. Uh, I think those are really the top three teams in the East as far as I'm concerned. We may learn a lot about Florida this weekend when they play Tennessee. But to me, it's those teams. But as it stands, I still don't think they're quite at the tier 
at the level that Georgia's playing at. Yeah, I mean, when, when I look at Georgia's schedule, I have that Kentucky game circled just because they have the gauntlet leading up is Florida, Tennessee, at Mississippi State, at Kentucky. And I think if there's ever a place where that Georgia team is going to slip up, it's going to be the back-to-back road trips at the end of that really tough four-game stretch. But I agree with you that I don't think either of those teams are quite on the level of Georgia. Kind of as we move forward, look to this week, what do you expect from, from, from this game against Kent State? I think Kent State's a better team than, than they're going to get credit for just because uh, they're, they're gauntlet of a schedule early, having to go to Washington, to Oklahoma, and now to Georgia. What do you what do you what do you expect from 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 them as this uh, as this game plays out here on Saturday? You know, I'm really interested to see how Georgia's secondary plays Kent State. They've got some playmakers. They got a receiver that uh, put up 1,200 yards last year, so they can make plays. But yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a situation where Kent State is able to hang around early. You know, I thought they did okay in those showings against Washington and Oklahoma. You know, obviously we don't expect them to pull off an upset in either situation. But, you know, I think they've got a good MAC program. I think Sean Lewis, when we talk uh, this offseason, he's probably looking at a, a, a Power 5 job somewhere. I think he's a really good coach and done a good job at a program that is not known for winning, definitely not consistently in the MAC. Uh, so I think it's going to be a situation where, you know, Kent State's probably going to make a few plays here and there, but just the amount of talent Georgia's got in really all three phases, uh, I think it's going to be another blowout win for Georgia and send those uh, home fans happy after another win. We're speaking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jordan, uh, to look ahead a little bit at 2023, uh, the football schedules were released yesterday and Georgia's was released for the 2023 season. It includes uh, a trip to Auburn. Uh, Kentucky will come to Athens. Georgia has to then end the season at Tennessee and at Georgia Tech. What was your reactions to uh, the Bulldogs 2023 schedule for next season? You know, I thought on the whole it's a good mix as far as when the tough games come. I mean, playing Kentucky at the start of October, and then to me the toughest stretch is kind of going to be the close, which is exactly the case this year. Uh, Playing Ole Miss, which I think being at home, that does help Georgia. And then playing at Tennessee, I think that's going to be a challenge. But I think they've got a good mix. Uh, I think that uh, the thing that really helps Georgia next year is going to be their non-conference schedule. I mean, you know, to to be fair to Georgia, they did have Oklahoma on there, and then the SEC kind of stepped in with Oklahoma getting ready to join the conference. That game got removed and replaced with Ball State. Um, but uh, I, I say if you're a, a season ticket holder, these home games, whew, you're, you're looking at uh, Kentucky and probably Ole Miss are your two best games. So uh, that one's going to be tough as far as, uh, you know, re-upping the, the ticket package. But other than that, you know, I think – from a Georgia perspective, it's a pretty manageable schedule. And again, it's just sort of these last two games, in my opinion, that are going to wind up being the toughest test. Well, Jordan, as always, man, we appreciate you coming on and giving us some updates uh, about the Georgia Bulldogs. Look, when they play somebody other than Kent State and they win by less than 50 points, uh, maybe we can uh, have a discussion about that near the end of the season, man. But uh, look, we appreciate you coming on. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing with Dogs 247. Absolutely, guys. It's dogs247.com. I'm on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill. And then we've also got our Twitter, dogs247. Uh, Still plenty to talk about. I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, notes and things of interest out of this game Saturday. And then getting ready for a big road trip up to Columbia, Missouri after that. 
Well, Jordan, I mean, do you guys want a coaching controversy or some or some struggles over there? We could probably send something your way. I'll take it. Uh, you know, I think I'll just ease through that. I don't want to spoil <laughs> all y'all's fun. Y'all, y'all are having too much to talk about. That, that doesn't sound fair to me. Right, right. No, I, I agree. I think we'll we'll probably keep it for now. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. We appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you next week, man. Sounds great, guys. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Yeah, I think he's probably enjoying being in Athens more than Auburn. Uh, of course, Jordan Hill used to be uh, one of the Auburn beat reporters here uh, in Auburn, but now he is working for Dogs 247, and mm-hmm. uh, he picked a good time to go over there. He's, he's doing okay with the, Georgia, with the Georgia program right now. What, there is a direct correlation between uh, time Jordan Hill is, seasons where Jordan Hill is the beat writer for uh, Georgia <laughs> and national championships so far? I mean, he would probably say there is some correlation. (laughs) I would say so. But always good having him on the program. We love talking to him. He has great stuff, as always. And uh, Georgia, they got Kent State this weekend. Shouldn't be too big of an issue for the Bulldogs before they play Missouri, and then they welcome in Auburn. So, look, I think Georgia is the number one team in the country for a reason, right? They're playing really well. I don't know who's going to give them a challenge. I think it it may not be until they play Tennessee or Florida or Kentucky. So we'll see how it goes. But that was Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Let's take our final break. In this first hour, we'll be right back. We'll talk about the Atlanta Braves as they drop a disappointing game against the Nationals just now. We'll talk about it when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. I had to think about what day it was for a second. I'm, my days are getting all thrown off getting up and, and doing doing two shows a day and and doing all kinds of work around here. It's 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 crazy, man. It's, it's taking its toll on me. But... That's totally fine. It's a Wednesday as we wrap up the first hour, and we just watched the Braves lose to the Nationals at home. We have it on here in the studio, and they should not have lost that game. It's just it's they just were, one they, of those games, you know. They they had a moment in the bottom of the eighth inning where they could have won it. I believe it was Austin Riley rounding third. He may have I, f- I forget who he had behind him on the base pass, but somebody with a little more speed. And he got a late stop sign. He slams on the brakes, and whoever was behind him got caught between second and third and thrown out in a rundown. And it killed the inning, killed their chances of scoring. And now you just got to sit here and hope that the uh, Mets lose a game. They should have lost last night, but the Brewers blew it. Well, they're still scoreless with the Brewers right now, but nothing says nothing says clinching the playoffs like the Braves losing the very next day to the Nationals. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you can't make this stuff up. And again, these are the games we have talked about that you've got to win if you're Atlanta. You've got to win these games because it doesn't get easier on your schedule than playing the Nationals at home. And you're watching the match right now. Uh, we've, I've got it pulled up on my computer. They've, they're still scoreless between the Brewers and the sixth inning, but... Good thing for the Braves. They do have another one against the Nationals. Then they have to go play the Phillies again. Then they play the Nationals again. Then they play the Mets. And then they play the Marlins. So uh, looking at the Braves, you just got to win these games. I mean, there, there's nowhere, there's nowhere else, nowhere, no way other way to put it. Holy smokes. 
I struggled on that one. I really did. But there's no other way to put it. The Braves got to win. Like you got to win these games. And we talked about it before where they've had their opportunities. They've had their chances to, to pull ahead and take a lead and extend a lead against the Mets in the division, and they haven't been able to do it. And so you've got to be able to win and beat the Nationals at home before you head on the road and take on a good Philly team, and you play this Nationals team again, and then you have to play the Mets. So Braves got to figure it out. Yeah, I think it's you, you You have a big series coming up. I think that you're still playing good ball. You just didn't get it done today. But, I mean, I believe in, in this team's ability to continue to chip away. You just got to figure out a way to to stay out front and or, well, to keep making up ground and eventually get out front and stay out front against this this very, very good Mets team that's playing good ball in their own right, too. Yeah, the Braves had two runs on 10 hits today with two errors. So, um, and again, like you said, they had a chance to to tie it up, possibly take the lead and run away with this thing, but they just got caught in a, in a tough running situation. But you look at the standings, the Braves are a game and a half back of the Mets right now, uh, waiting on the Mets to, to end their game against the Brewers. All we can do is hope the Brewers are somehow going to pull out a victory at home. But we're coming down to the wire. I mean, we've got, what, like two weeks for this season to end for for the regular season of, of Major League Baseball, and then we're going to get into the postseason. The Braves have clinched, so that is exciting. The Braves are in the playoffs, which is good. Now it just depends on where they're at, who they're playing, when they're playing, and where they're playing. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 always an exciting time of year when you start to the playoff picture starts to come into focus. I don't know if you saw this, but... Uh, did you see last week when the the Dodgers thought they had clinched? I did, yeah. Celebrated, and then Major League Baseball, like champagne and everything, and then Major League Baseball was like, wait a second, your magic number's actually one, you haven't clinched yet, and so then they clinched the next night. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, in that, that's basically the story of the Dodgers, though. They thought they clinched, they didn't, so they just said, ah, we'll just wait one more night, we'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, they're that good. They're that good. Hour number one officially in the book. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny and hot Wednesday afternoon. It's in the 90s again, man. I mean, it's the last day of summer, technically, but... I'm tired of it. it. It got cooler there for like a week, and then it was like, yep, yeah, just kidding. You're in the, you're in Alabama. Just kidding. It's hot again, and it's miserable. Nobody likes it, but here we are. We choose to live here, right? So here you go. 
Hey, uh, why couldn't have this happened on Saturday when Penn State from, from Pennsylvania came down to Auburn? Why couldn't you have had 95-degree heat with a lot of humidity there and maybe affect those guys a little bit? But instead, it was like 80 yeah, I mean, it was still hot, but it wasn't it like wasn't hot. it wasn't 2018 LSU hot. That's for sure. But 2018 LSU is one of the worst times of my life. That's one of the that is the worst game the field, I've ever been to. I was on the field for that whole game oh. in the end zone, just baking on the because it's a way hotter on the grass than it is in the stands. My dad, my dad had a heat stroke. He was one of the fans that went. He went. He got up and went to the bathroom and was gone for like 30 minutes, and I walked out to find him laying in the concourse with like 30 other people laying just passed out in the concourse of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Like it was, that's the day they ran out of water. Like it was, it was miserable. That's the worst day. That's the worst game I've ever been to. M- Marty Smith with ESPN walked by and saw me just baking in the sun while, while working, and he's just like, man, they got to they gotta figure out a, uh, a way to – to get you some shade because this is tough right now (laughs) yeah well it's not quite that hot today but it is pretty warm on this wednesday afternoon but hour number one of the show is officially in the books you know what that means hour number two officially underway here on espn 1067 if you missed any of hour number one we talked to jordan hill of dogs 247 about the georgia bulldogs uh talking about their win over south carolina last week We also talked uh, previewing their game against Kent State this weekend and also got his thoughts on on Georgia's 2023 football schedule. So uh, we got all of that from him. So if you missed that or anything else from the first hour, be sure to find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast and you can also find it on ESPNAU.com. That's ESPNAU.com. You can find it under the podcast center, and uh, you can find our show. You can find The Drive. uh, You can find it all right there. Again, ESPNAU.com. Well, phone lines are open in the second hour. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And, Carter, as we get into making headlines here on Wednesday, September 21st, 2022, uh, the headline coming out uh, that was about 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon-ish was TJ Finley is out versus Missouri. He is hurt. He will not be playing against the Tigers on Saturday. And Auburn has, yet again, a quarterback situation. Yeah, I mean, and and, and that's not the only news. We've seen some some buzz about potentially Zach Calzada um having an interest in seeking a medical red shirt so all of a sudden you could be you could go from a very deep quarter in terms of bodies quarterback room that yeah. that, that had a very long con- uh, competition in the spring and in the fall to then the only guy left out of that competition is Robbie Ashford and then I guess I guess at that point you got to start talking about Holden Gurner. I mean it's it's definitely alarming and frankly I'm a little I'm a little shocked the the line on the Auburn-Missouri game has not moved an inch today with all of the news that appears to have come out in the last 24 hours uh, regarding Auburn's quarterback situation. But maybe that's an indictment on what Las Vegas thought about Auburn's quarterback room. I mean, could the be. Fact that it didn't yeah. move at all when, when the first guy and potentially the third guy Aren't, might both not be available on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it, it is crazy, but TJ Finley is, is officially out against Missouri. And, you know, I, the, the interesting question to me is this, and I would love to hear from the listeners, 334-321-1390. As of right now, 
Is Auburn better with TJ Finley or somebody else? I mean, that's that's the question we're going to find out on Saturday is, is Auburn better with TJ Finley as their starting quarterback or is Auburn going to be better with the field, I guess, with either Robbie Ashford, Zach Calzada, or possibly hold Garner. I mean, that's what we're going to find out. And again, it was not all on TJ Finley on Saturday against Penn State. You cannot put the loss on him because there's a lot of other factors that went into this football game. You could look at the offensive line. You could look at the game plan with not running the football. You can look at the game plan of, of changing out quarterbacks like this is the 2017 Clemson game. Like there's a lot of factors you can look at here, but we're going to find out if one of these other guys in the quarterback room can make Auburn better offensively because, sure, they gave up 41 points on Saturday, but they only scored 12. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... it's The the offense has not shown any ability... I mean, they scored against Mercer. Whoop-de-doo. Awesome. I mean, you didn't score against San Jose State, who's not a good team, and you didn't score against Penn State, who I'm still not convinced is... is I think they're good, but I think they're solidly third in their own division behind Michigan and Ohio State. By the way, little update for you. Don't know why this is going out on a Wednesday afternoon, but Penn State Football Communications has now issued a stat update, and uh, Jordan Van de Berg uh, has been credited with a sack from Saturday against Auburn. So the total is now to seven sacks, the most sacks Penn State had since 2019 against Purdue when they had 10. So the knife has been put in. They twisted it. They pulled up a little bit. And then they said, oh, Wednesday afternoon, let's take that up one more notch. Just to, just to say we told you so. Yeah, it's just like I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, <laughs> I'm shocked that. Somebody's we, been we, watching that film for four days. And they've been like, oh, there it is. I found it. There's it, another sack. I'm, sho- I'm still just shocked the more we hear about this, this performance that the Auburn offense had, how truly bad it was. Uh, and I'm not sure with the uncertainty at quarterback, the fact that you have a coach that there appears to be legitimately one option at quarterback, and he won't even commit to that guy right now. The fact that there's uncertainty there doesn't inspire a lot of confidence here going into Saturday against a Missouri team that talent-wise you're better than. But with the way that the teams are playing, I think that, you can confidently say Missouri has a very decent chance on Saturday. So in the first hour, I said we would not see a two-quarterback system, but could we see a two-quarterback system on Saturday? Because if it, we were seeing it with, with quarterback one and quarterback two, why would we not see it with quarterback two, quarterback four? four. <laughs> I mean, so why would we not see it on Saturday? There's a possibility you could. And look, I, I am still on the, on the, on the train of – that's not a good game plan. More likely than not, most times that does not work. And for Auburn, I don't think that's the game plan. How do you expect any of them to get better if you don't let any of them play? Well, okay, I, I agree with you there. I think there's there's a way to run a two-quarterback system effectively. Michigan kind of did it last year on the way to the college football playoff. But the way that Auburn's running it right now is just not the way to do it. It's Correct. Anytime, anytime one of these guys gets in a rhythm or gets some momentum, Yoink. they're getting yanked out of the game for the other one, and it just, it's like, yo, it's like, it's like watching somebody, you know, when 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 somebody doesn't know how to drive uh, a stick and they yeah. get behind there, and it's really herky jerky and it's just rough and it's bounce, you're bouncing all over the place and it's. It, nothing is smooth about it. 
that's what this Auburn offense is. Yeah, that's what that that's what this quarterback situation is. Nobody nobody can get any momentum and getting any rhythm. It's just it's ugly. It's ugly to watch. And they're they've got it in second gear and they try to throw it in third and they accidentally it's put clunky. it in fifth and the whole car just starts going crazy. Yeah, that's that is what it seems like because you just don't know where this thing is going and through three games there has not been two back-to-back drives for Auburn on offense that you said those were two good back-to-back drives we have not seen it through three games and that's fair there you can put that again there are so many different especially not these last two games exactly and there's so many different things to point at and to and problems that you can say well that's the reason or that's the reason or maybe it's a combination of all of these reasons which is probably the case but then that's where I come back to the question of, well, how do you fix it? And where do you begin? And now that you're having to get another starting quarterback to play on Saturday, just add that. That's just fuel to the fire. This thing is growing out of control. And where do you start to try putting this thing out? Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I truly don't know. I like, I think the game plans have been bad. I think the, the quarterback play has been bad. I think the offensive line has been bad. I think at times the receivers have run the wrong routes, like you saw on TJ's interception on Saturday. Everything about the offense screams poor coaching, poor development, uh, poor roster talent. It's it's the offense is as bad as it gets right now. I mean, I I I don't remember a time in my life I have felt felt less confident in an Auburn offense. I mean, 2012, um, that's up there, and then maybe maybe that that year where you kept trying to run Cody Burns out there at quarterback and he was just bad <laughs> uh, and you had the the famous three to two game at Mississippi State that we all know and love and the and, anniversary and, of that was the other day and tell and tell stories about um but yeah it's just I don't I have zero confidence in Auburn's offense and that's why I don't have a lot of confidence going into Saturday and I know that at least I feel like Eli Drinkwitz is closer to having an offense that knows its identity than Auburn. Auburn's offense has no identity, doesn't know what it is, and it's not getting better at any point. It's continuing to flounder. It's continuing to be ugly. And I don't think Brian Harson and Eric Keesaw know what, what to do. And I think that's the big point here is – Auburn versus Penn State on Saturday offensively for the Tigers. This was not a game where Penn State came in with a fantastic game plan on defense. They just shut down Auburn's offense and Auburn just couldn't figure out what to do. This was not that situation where Auburn had been a good offense for the entire season and then they just happened to play a really good Penn State team who knew how to play them. That's not what happened here. Auburn's offense was non-existent even before the Penn State game. And so Penn State, sure, they had a good game plan, but they didn't have to do a whole lot because Auburn's offense isn't a whole lot. And so that's not what this situation was. Penn State didn't come in and just have a miraculous game plan and just play out of their minds and shut down a crazy Auburn offense. There is no Auburn offense right now. And like you said, they have no identity. They don't know what they need to do to be successful. They have a lot of talent. We know that but they have not figured out what is going to be successful for them to do the ultimate goal, score points. You know what I'm worried about? It just popped in my head. In three weeks from now, 
I think I'm going to have legitimate fears about whoever the Auburn quarterback is at that point in time. Uh, the mental and physical health of that player going into and after this trip to Athens coming up in a few weeks, just because the way that defense is playing, how good that team is. I am concerned about the, like where, where, where are they going to be at mentally after that game? And honestly, if Penn State's getting seven sacks and 36 quarterback hurries, Georgia's going to be worse. Like, they're going to do more damage than that. Yeah. Alabama's going to do more damage than that with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. I mean, it's a scary prospect for the rest of the season with this offense. I think in this season, looking ahead three games is a pretty dangerous game to be playing right now because Auburn, Auburn's got to worry about Missouri, <laughs> but, but you're just, right. It's just a thought yeah. that popped in my head as we're talking about this this quarterback situation, how disjointed this offense is, how the offensive line is playing poorly, the quarterbacks aren't playing well, really no part of it. The game plans are bad. Everything about it just has me concerned for the uh, – the mental health and the physical health of Auburn's quarterbacks in a few weeks. TJ Finley out against Missouri. There are some reports slash rumors that Calzada is thinking about taking a medical red shirt and then possibly transferring or sitting out, doing something. Something is probably going on there. So what we're looking at here is Auburn is struggling to find a quarterback to play the position that can actually move the football and score points and for Saturday I don't know who you go with we're going to talk about it in just a second but I just do you want to do you want to go to break on a happier Auburn note yeah yeah that'd probably be a good change so after his three for three performance uh with field goals on on Sunday Uh Daniel Carlson is now has the longest active streak of field goals made in the NFL. He's made 28 straight. And I just wow. feel like that's worth bringing up just because I think we we talked about it the other day with with the old uh, Vikings GM saying the biggest mistake he ever made was cutting Daniel Carlson. And every time I see news about Daniel Carlson making field goals, I just have the need to like go find a way to put it in front of Mike Zimmer's face just yeah. because he was such a jerk. It makes it. it makes me happy seeing Daniel Carlson be successful. Good now look, him. that game in the playoffs, that was bad. I mean it it was really really bad. Was it so bad where you got to cut the guy? I don't well, no, know. It was it was that it was that week 2 game on the road freshman year or his rookie year in the NFL that he missed three field goals and they cut him. Then he goes on he goes to the Raiders and he's an all-pro, and he's one of the best. And he's been he's the fantastic. Most, he's one of the best, one of the most consistent field goal kickers in the in all of the world, uh, yeah. and he's going to keep that up for the next 15 years. And he's going to make that money, baby. He's going to make that money. Let's take our first break in our number 2-334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you and what your thoughts are on this Auburn football situation. Who should start on Saturday? We're going to talk about that when we come back. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We gave it to you before we left, or before we went to break, I should say. Carter, with the quarterback situation for Auburn like it is, we can only sit here and talk about it, how bad it is for, for only so long before... It's time for us to make a decision. In your mind, out of the three guys in the room for Auburn, who should be the starting quarterback on Saturday and why? I mean, I think it should be 
I think it should be Zach Calzada, but there's questions about his health just because of the the, the things you're seeing reported on on Auburn Live by Justin Hokinson, all of the buzz around there. I mean, if he really goes medical red shirt and doesn't play this year, then I guess it's Robbie Ashford just because he has the reps. And like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to throw Holden Gurner out into a no win situation with a bad offensive line and watch him get beaten down physically and then also just like the fact that it it he's set up for failure. Um so I guess I'm going Robbie Ashford this weekend. I find it really odd that that uh Brian Harson won't acknowledge that. Um because there's no signs that he remotely wants to go to Zach Calzada uh because he hasn't taken a snap this year. And you know TJ Finley's out. Just say it then. Just say it. It's Robbie Ashford, but he won't for some reason, which is just bizarre to me. Because it may not he may not be a hundred percent on Robbie Ashford. Well, he's clearly not any percent on Zach Calzada. <laughs> well, there's one more guy in the room. Well, if you listen to what Eric Keesaw says, he's really, really young. He needs time to develop. I, I mean, know. I know. Like it just with everything that's said, kind of, kind of like when we were in this quarterback battle, everything that was said was so pro TJ. It's like, why are we waiting to announce who's going to play quarterback if we know it's going to be TJ? Well, why are we waiting now if all signs are pointing to to Robbie Ashford? I just I to confuse Missouri, Carter. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Look, I, I think look, I, I think hope, I hope this Auburn team does not need. That type of advantage to beat Missouri on Saturday. I don't know. You never know. They might. They might. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think there's a difference in the question of who should start on Saturday versus who is going to start on Saturday. I think Robbie Ashford's going to get the start on Saturday because he's yeah. the only other guy that's taking, <laughs> taking snaps. snaps. He's the only other one that's touched the field as a quarterback. So I think Robbie will be the starter on Saturday. Who do how, I think should how, be the starter? How do you think the offense changes with Robbie as the full-time guy, if he is the full-time guy? How will it change or how should it change? Because, again, both. that's a both. big question. Let's go both there. How should it change? We've already talked about it. You need to adjust to Robbie Ashford being a running quarterback, being an, an athletic guy. I think who, it needs to be a simple one read and one read and run. Exactly. One read, run, or dump off. Who is Maybe not, all three of those being the options. You've got to adjust your offense to a guy that has not proven to you he can throw the football. You've got to play where Robbie Ashford, like you said, has one read. If it's not there, maybe dump it off to Tank. If not... Just take off and run. I think that's how the offense should adjust to Robbie Ashford as a starting quarterback. Now, how will it adjust? I don't know. I think they're going to have him try and throw the football, and I think we're going to see that he cannot throw the football. And that's something we saw in the fall, but yet, here we are. He was the backup, but now, more than likely, he is the man. And so, that is my opinion on that. I think they should adjust it to to his skill set, which is, athleticism and running and playmaking rather than step back in the pocket and try to deliver a time a ball on time on target on the numbers now who should start on Saturday I think it should be holding Gariner why we all we've heard is that he can throw the football better than anybody all we've heard is that he is the best quarterback there the only thing that's against him is that he's young okay I get it he's young 
He's trying to redshirt. This was not the plan for him to even be in the conversation as a starting quarterback for Auburn in week four of the season. But if all we've heard is that he is the guy that can throw the best football, he's the guy that has the best arm and has the best accuracy and probably has the highest ceiling in the room, then why not give him a chance? And if you're Brian Hartson and you have any sliver of thought in your mind that, well, maybe this guy could save my job, why would you not go for it? Now, I would love for it to be Zach Calzada, but it seems like there's a situation there that we're trying to get more information on that we just don't fully know what's happening with that. That just seems like that experiment is just not going to work. We thought it was going to be it. We thought Zach Calzada was going to be the guy that could give Auburn a good season, but you're three games in. He hasn't even sniffed the sidelines, it seems like. So I just don't think that's going to happen for Zach Calzada. And so at this point, He's not starting Saturday. He He's may not play starting Saturday. Maybe. Maybe. We still don't know what's and, happening. And I think to an extent that's going to be up to what does Zach Calzada want? I think at a certain point, the coaching staff have taken their their decision making out of like they've taken the decision out of their own hands by not giving him snaps, by not letting him in the game these first three games. Now it legitimately is up to Zach Calzada on if he wants to to get out there this I year. agree. And so to answer the question, who should start on Saturday, or for me, it's Holden Garner because you talk about what will the offense look like with whoever is playing QB1 on Saturday. We've already seen that Brian Harson and this offense, they want to run a pro-style step in the pocket and make you throw the football type of offense. Okay, out of the guys in the room that have a legitimate chance at playing from what we know, who is that guy? It would be Holden Gariner. Yeah. Now, is the offensive line going to give him time? Probably not. But if you want to put the guy in there and run that type of offense, if they're not going to change the offense one bit, you've got to play Holden Gariner. Because if you put Robbie Ashford in there, you're gonna he's going to get killed because he can't throw the football accurately yet. He can't do that yet. We've seen that. Holden mm-hmm. Gariner can at least throw the football from what we've heard. So if you're not going to change the offense, it needs to be Holden Gariner. Now, if you're going to adjust to who your player is and who your personnel are, then yes, maybe it should be Robbie Ashford. But through three games, we haven't seen Auburn really change a whole lot offensively. It seems like this is a pretty set-in-stone type of coaching staff, a pretty set-in-stone offense where we're going to do the same thing until it works and just hope that it doesn't go wrong. We're going to find out, but there's a whole lot more we got to learn about this quarterback room between now and Saturday. Mm. 30 minutes left in the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We got some more stuff to talk about when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. What is that? Grand slam by the Brewers. Let's nice. Go. They're up nice. 6 nothing on the Mets right now. All right. I'm That's excited. what we like to I'm see. <laughs> well, you put your hands up, and I was trying to figure out what you were, what you were uh, 
what you were referencing to, but I forgot you've got the Mets Brewers game on over there. Yeah, I've I've kind of just keep glancing at it every now and then, but uh, the Brewers are finally going to do what they should have done last night. And I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it because I'm going to jinx it. Don't say it yet. I'm going to jinx it. Don't do it yet. <laughs> but well, we're talking. Of course, the Braves they lost just a few minutes ago to the Nationals, so now we're hoping that the Mets lose, so the Braves don't lose any ground uh, in their division race. But Taking a break from football for just a second, uh, the the basketball TV schedule is out for this 2023 season, and we know Auburn's opponents, and we know we know all of that stuff. Uh, but just kind of looking at some of the games, of course, Auburn opens up the season for basketball on December 28th in SEC play with Florida coming to town December 28th on ESPN two. Uh, you look at some of these other games, uh, Auburn going to Georgia uh, for January 4th on SEC Network. Looking at some of the other games, Auburn going to Ole Miss. That'll be on ESPN2 on January 10th. Uh, looking at some Mississippi State comes to Auburn on January 14th. That'll be on the SEC Network. Auburn at LSU, that's on ESPN2. I'm looking to see if Auburn has any games that are going to be like on ESPN primetime. Uh, so far, no is what I've seen. Um You've got Auburn at South Carolina, that's SEC Network. A&M at Auburn, that's ESPN2. Uh, you've got Auburn at Alabama, that's ESPN2. Tennessee at Auburn, that's ESPN or ESPN2. So, I mean, you've got you've got some good games on there, but Auburn normally doesn't get huge love with basketball games until they play, like, at Kentucky and, and games like that. But, man... Isn't it crazy that basketball season is almost here? Like it's it's we're near October, which means basketball season's right around the corner. Yeah, I mean it's it's I I just can't wait for for all of this stuff to kind of progress. You want to see how how this uh, this Auburn team looks, and I'm I'm just excited about it, man. It's gonna be a great season, but it is still football season, and we've still got some things to to kind of worry about a little bit and with the with the future of Brian Harson being in question now and the future of this to Auburn football program yeah to say the least being up in the air the conversation that a lot of people have had but we have yet to get into if Brian Harson and it's the big if okay it is an if because he's still the coach if Brian Harson is not the coach at Auburn after this 2022 season what are some names and who are some names that Auburn should? Who are some realistic names that Auburn should go after? Should or that are going to pop up? Because those well, are going to be ones, two different things. They are going to be two very different lists. Because some names that have already popped I up. I promise you Hugh Freeze pops up immediately, and that's I that should not happen. The three names that have already popped up, Hugh Freeze, Deion Sanders, and Urban Meyer. So that's a pretty that's a pretty staggered list right the, there. The last two, you know what, I can I can talk myself into because just the 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 way that Urban Meyer has built a few programs up and had success, I am fine with with him taking over. And there's a lot of buzz that he wants to get back into college football because he doesn't want that Jag season to be the lasting impression of his coaching tenure. So you know what? Fine with it. And all the jobs that, that are going to open up this fall, Auburn is going to be the biggest one. Auburn, like, it's bigger than than Nebraska. I know Nebraska fans are going to try to fight on that if you ever said it to them because they were really great in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, but you're in the middle of America. It's really hard to recruit to, and that's apparent. And you also, your walk-on program doesn't mean as much, and there's 
This is what happens when uh, you can't take steroids anymore, um, which is you know the long tenured uh, thing right. that 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 program is, is is rumored to have done. Well, look three three four three two one thirteen ninety is the number. We'd love to hear from you. Who should Auburn go after? Who will they go after? Who are some names you've heard of already that Auburn uh, is possibly going to go after if they do replace Brian Harson again? The three names that I've heard: uh, Hugh Freeze, of course. That's the it's one that popped happen. up it's the last time. Happen. Hugh Freeze, Urban Meyer, and Deion Sanders. Look, you want to talk about think- somewhere Hugh Freeze would kill it though? Georgia Tech. Yeah, I can see that. Hugh Freeze could go to Georgia Tech and build that into something really, really cool. But I'll tell you what about those three names. Auburn will not hire any of those. I can, I can. Deion I, Sanders is getting a lot of interesting buzz right now. Um, I know it was a name that uh, on on three they have their Monday morning quarterback uh, segment with right. Ben Leard. Ben Leard threw threw that name out. I think that that's an interesting one because because what what has been the issue with the last two coaches here down down the stretch? They haven't recruited well enough, especially like in the trenches and stuff. You want to talk about somebody who will be the biggest shot in the arm and you will see the biggest results Auburn's ever had in recruiting? Go go to Deion Sanders. And I think I think he's done a good job hiring a really strong staff staff around him at Jackson State. If he can do something like that at a Power 5 program, I think he can be very successful. Now, the issue you run into there is what happens if FSU opens up? What happens if FSU opens up here in a year or two? Mm-hmm. Does he go there? There is some buzz that he burned some bridges with the whole uh, Travis Hunter thing to end, the, to end the recruiting season last year, flipping the number one player in the country from FSU to Jackson State. But I don't... I mean, if if FSU really came to the table and said, "Hey, we want you," would he would, would he go? I think probably. probably yeah, I think but, so. But it's it's also that that FSU team is trending in a decent direction. They're playing a, decent, a, ball. a direction that makes you think that they can that Norvell can hang on for at least another year. But yeah, I mean, I think those are going to be the the names that that you're going to hear. Mark Stoops needs to be at the top of every list. I don't care. I don't care who else is on the list. Mark Stoops needs to be the first name out of everyone's mouth because of what he's done at Kentucky. He's one of the most impressive things in the country. He's built a it's a hard place to win at in the SEC, and he's built one of the strongest, most consistent programs in the in the conference. Would he leave? Would he leave Kentucky? Yes, he would because of what's taken place this summer. Because you've seen the rifts form, the rift between. Himself and John Calipari, with John Calipari's comments about it being a basketball school and kind of poo-pooing on the football team. And then there are rumors, and I've heard this from the Kentucky Sports Radio guys just kind of clicking around listening to clips from their shows. Apparently the rift is there also between Stoops and their athletic director. So if you're Auburn, you go, you put Bruce Pearl on a plane. You go see Mark Stoops and say, hey, this guy supports other programs better than anybody else in the country. Right. He'll support your football team. He'll be in the front row shirtless with the, with the entire basketball team. I think he'd be a good hire. I think it would be, not saying he wouldn't leave, talking about Mark Stoops at Kentucky, but I think it would be really, really hard for him to leave Kentucky after all that he has done for that program and what he has built this up to because – 
They are a top 10 team. They are a threat to win the SEC East. Now, they have to go through Georgia, I know, but they are a threat to win it. And that would be really, really, really tough to leave that after all that he has been through, after everything he has done to build this program to something that it's never been before. And then to up and leave, I just think that would be not saying he wouldn't do it, but but, but it would here, be tough. Here's the counter. At Kentucky, you're always second fiddle to basketball. At Auburn, you are first fiddle. I know what Bruce has done is awesome, but you are first fiddle. And then if you look at, there are 15 programs in this country, or around 15, that you can win a national championship at. You cannot do that at Kentucky. You can at all. Auburn's proven it. 2004, right. you go undefeated. You should have gotten a shot at that USC team, but everybody carried over the, the 2003 matchup, and that's why you didn't get that shot. You should have gotten that shot. But 2010, you win a national championship. In 14 or in 13, you go to the national championship, you lose. 17, if you handle business against Georgia in the SEC championship game, you become the first two-loss team to make the college football playoff ever. Mm-hmm. And you have one of the only paths that could possibly do that right now. So you can win a championship, a national championship at Auburn. You cannot do that at Kentucky. And if he wants to win a national championship, he would be willing to move. Now the question would become, does he want to win a national championship? Or does he take the program? Who doesn't want to win a national championship? Come on now. I, I guarantee there are co- there are 100% there's coaches that don't want to win. Not that they don't want to, but there are coaches that are totally fine with where they're at, what they're doing, and if they that's never fine. win one, they're totally fine. That's fine, but I don't think that's Mark Stoops. I don't think it is either. But what I'm saying is, if he hey, were to come and, to Auburn. And he recruits really well. He does. He was he was one of the, the catalysts to those Miami rosters back in the early 2000s that were unbelievable. He does recruit really well. But you were talking about if you come to Auburn, yeah, football is top priority. But what that means is a lot higher expectations. At Kentucky, he has built the expectations. There were none when well, he yeah, got yeah, there. He has one of the and, safest seats in college football. Exactly. And so it would be tough after, I don't, I don't know how old he is, but he's been in Kentucky for a long time now but don't you don't you want to test your metal at some point and see hey can i do this at the highest level in college football and that may be a thought am i okay with being a eight nine ten win team every year and not actually competing for championships and have a top 10 program in college football right now I'd be gone. I mean, okay it's a top that. 10 program this year. It's not a top 10 program in college football. It's just not. No, but he. I think he's building something special. But I agree. I don't think they're going to do that year in and year out. But that's what I'm saying. We need to know that and learn that about him, about Stoops. And I think if Auburn goes after him, you'll figure that out. And that's what I'm. That's the point I'm trying to make is what type of person would Stoops be in that situation? We don't know. And I think it would be really interesting. Let's head to the phone lines, though. 334-321-1390. Hello, Terry. Welcome in, man. Hey, guys, how y'all doing? We're doing, doing all right, Terry. Yeah, we're doing all right. Guys, let me tell y'all something. If Mike St- Mark Stoops, excuse me, was a coach at Auburn, my days of griping about coaching are over with. Oh, I Let's don't know go, about Terry. that. I, I don't believe that, Terry. No, I, I can guarantee it. Because <laughs> that would be the greatest hire. I think I, I think the guy could just flat out coach. I agree. Because I think so he too. could stay at Kentucky and win eight, eight nine, ten wins. He could be elected governor. Because their thought process is Bill, just get us basketball. to basketball season, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. That's I, all they're thinking about in Kentucky. No, they. Now I agree with you guys. They can't win a national. He can't win a national title at Kentucky in football. But he could get them to, to the basketball season where they could win one. Yeah, can they win it in basketball? I mean, Cal Perry's only done it once. 
I mean, I think that 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 Calipari is the is the Jimbo Fisher of of college basketball. Somebody who does less with more right now. No, you know, Carter, that's a great comparison. That is a good. <laughs> that is a good comparison. I like that. That is a great comparison I like because that. I always said that. I always said that Jimbo Fisher rode the right arm and the athleticism of James Jameis Winston all the way to a national title. Well, he 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 rode the the arms of three straight first round quarterbacks, and as soon as the last one, the the best of the bunch, the generational talent in Jameis Winston, as soon as he was gone, you saw that FSU program fall off, and you've seen him not be able to get back to that mountaintop at Texas A&M with even more talent. Also, you've seen, you've seen he, he really is an eight nine win coach, is what he yeah, really is. Yeah, he is. That's really what Jimbo Fisher is. Guys, Some might say he's a seven win coach. Some might say he's a seven win coach this year, but the fact that offense can't can't crack the three hundred yard barrier at any point. Guys, I made the trip out to Pasadena in thirteen to watch Auburn lose to them, mm-hmm. and I can remember turning to the individual sitting to my right and telling them when Auburn scored. I said they scored too quickly. They're going to lose this game. I, I, I did the same thing. We, I think we all said it. We knew. We knew what was about to happen. That was that was so heartbreaking. I almost made the trip with my dad. We It was a last-minute decision to not go, uh, but I think every Auburn fan said it. We knew. The whole country when, knew what was about when, to happen. When Trey Mason is running, has two DBs converging on him, I remember yelling, go down, go, go down. down, and he split them and goes into the end zone, and I turned to my family, and I said, we just lost. Yep. <laughs> Well, I stayed in Las Vegas, and we bust over to Pasadena. I don't know if people realize this, but Pasadena is only about two and a half, three hours from Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. It's really because we and we stayed there in Las Vegas. But I got a free trip to Las Vegas, and boy, it was great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I bet after that game, it was a great time in Vegas. But yeah, Terry, I think Mark Stoops would be a fantastic hire for Terry, Auburn. It'd be Terry, a home run. Be Terry, if you can't hire Mark Stoops, who is your number one target then? Um, I like Jamie Chadwick, Coastal Carolina. I agree with you. Jamie Chadwell is so good, especially schematically. You want to talk about somebody who could do some magic with a guy like Robbie Ashford? Jamie mm-hmm. Chadwell would do wonders wherever he gets a, wherever he gets hired. He's the guy that South Carolina should have hired. I think that Shane Beamer, you're going to watch that team take a significant step back, and I'm not sure they're going to get back to that what eight wins they had last year, seven wins, mm-hmm. whatever they had. I think they're I. I think a few years down the road, you might be sitting here thinking South Carolina messed up not getting Jamie Chadwell. And also, guys, while everybody's talking about the lack of touches and the, and the, the Tank Bigsby got Saturday against Penn State, do people forget that, that Devon Archer did give him the ball on fourth down and less than a yard against South Carolina? He threw the ball with T.J. Finley? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do people forget those kind of things. Same there, thing against Penn State are, last year. There are a bunch of very puzzling in-game decisions in the Brian Harson era and I, the one I always come back to is, why the heck did you not go for two in the Iron Bowl earlier against mm-hmm. against Alabama? Run that two point play that worked in the third overtime. Run that in the which, what was it the second overtime when you barely you have a quarterback who can't walk, and you had a one handed catch by your freshman tight end. Run the two point mm-hmm. play. Try to get the win right now because you're outmatched, and it's a matter of time before Alabama beats you. Yeah, good point. Good point. That last thing, guys. When I, when Brian Harson got hired, you remember the picture they took of him and his wife and his children on the field of Jordan here? Yeah. Okay. Did that look like a picture of Saved by the Bell? <laughs> I, I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that, but I guess. Yeah. I think it did look like a picture of Mark Paul, Mark Paul Gosler and Mario Lopez and Tiffany Amber Thiessen and all that crew. I mean, that's one way to put it. That's <laughs> Terry, we're up against a break, man. We appreciate the call. Appreciate you, Terry. It's good, it's good to hear from you, Terry. Look, um, 
I, uh, <laughs> I, no, I didn't make that comparison, but you know what? Hey, what more power to you, I guess. Well, we got to get to our final break in this, uh, in this hour. We'll come right back and wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Well, if you missed any of today's show, be sure to find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast or you can find it at ESPNAU.com. And you can go and find it in the podcast center. You can listen to it there. We talked to... Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 back in the first hour. Talk to him about Georgia and the Bulldogs as they beat South Carolina over the weekend. And in this hour, we've talked a lot about the quarterback situation for Auburn. We gave our opinions on who should be starting on Saturday against Missouri now that TJ Finley is out and got into the coaching conversation a little bit. We'll probably get into that a little bit more uh, tomorrow. But Carter, my my uh, my final take on, on the coaching thing, and I, I guess we can kind of have some of it today and get into some of this a little bit tomorrow is no matter what happens here, because the the future for Brian Harson seems pretty dull. It seems pretty dark, right? It seems like it seems like this experiment it's, not, it's, it's non-existent. Yeah, it seems like this experiment is 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 getting out of control. Auburn's gotta do this the right way. Yeah. That's how I mean they've got to figure out a way to do this correctly because when they hired Brian Harson, it just—it was a bumpy road from the start, and I—I right. I don't know how that is, but we like the Mark Stoops idea, and not—and I mean, not I, that he would leave for Kentucky, but it would be a good—it would be a great hire. If the plan is to make the move around the bye week, you—you've got time. Start to get the groundwork in place. Get everybody on in the, behind the scenes on the same page, pulling in the same direction, and understanding that, hey, we got to be united because we need to make this thing work. We can't afford another one of these five straight years of or seven straight years of four losses with Gus Malzahn where everybody, every, at some point during one of those years, everybody wanted to fire him. Or we can't afford two years of another Brian Harson. There needs to be some some unification behind the scenes to to get everybody pulling in the same direction and you have the time to get the groundwork in place to put forth a very strong search make sure you do it the right way you you turn over every stone possible and and I think that if you if you miss on a couple guys I think that another name to keep an eye on is Jeff Grimes at Baylor. That's interesting. Guy who's been at Auburn before, offensive line coach. Yeah. Offensive line coach in 2010 was pretty strong offensive line. And I think he will build the team from the trenches out. He's been at Auburn, knows what it's like. Good offensive mind, has done well at Baylor, done, did well at BYU before that. He would be somebody that would be kind of my dark horse, few names down the list. Keep an eye out for Jeff Grimes. That's an interesting name. I haven't thought of that one. That's... That's interesting. Look, how 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 quickly if the job comes open before Rhett Lashley's name gets thrown out? Oh gosh, it'll be really really quick. Unfortunately, there's going to be a ton of names thrown around. But first things first, 
Auburn's got to try and win this game on Saturday. There's That's just that is step number one. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'll be back tomorrow talking more Auburn football, coaching change, all that good stuff. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.